Recording in progress. Uh, you're muted, but. Sorry, present. Okay. Uh, board member Lau. Yeah. Uh, Sanchez. Present. Chair Saxby. I'm here. And board member Witt. Here. And we have a quorum. Excellent. So the uh, the first item on the agenda is the review of the meeting minutes from um, looks like April, May, and June of this year. Um, uh, are we able to just address these in their entirety, or do we need to go to each one individually? Uh, yes, you can address them in its entirety. Um, one thing that the city attorney's office had reminded us is um, we should make the draft minutes available for public comment. So um, what the board can do first is you could see if anybody in attendance wishes to comment on the minutes and then provide staff with your comments and I'll record them before your vote. Okay. Did anyone have any comments on, on any of these three meeting minutes? Are you speaking, Norman? I can't. I can't hear you. Are you? Were you saying Sorry. something? Yes, I was. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was, was going to say a small clerical correction. Um, okay. Vice Chair Lynn Jones is listed as President, uh, Vice President uh, Lynn Jones. Oh, yeah, I noticed that too. And okay. while I would fully endorse her for Vice President, I think. <laughs> Good catch. Thank you, Board Member Sanchez. Uh, the other... board. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if the board doesn't have any comments, then I would ask the chair to open up the minutes for public comment. Okay, well, one last chance. Any last comments? So there are no more comments from the board. So um, I'm opening up a discussion of the meeting minutes from April, May, and June to public comment. Are there any public comments? I assume that there are I don't are see none. any hand raised. Okay. And then we'll just make that a part of our regular uh, agenda in the future. So uh, we need a motion to approve these minutes and a second. Uh, with just one clarification, sure. um, if there were any board members not in attendance um, at any of the meetings, let me just see. So. April, Lynn missed all present. The, the last one, I think, the uh, the June meeting. All right. So, uh, Board Member Jones, you may vote on the June meeting if you can attest to having um, reviewed the video and its contents. Otherwise, you're welcome to abstain as well. I'll abstain on that one. <laughs> well, since we're since we're making a special condition there, let's take them one by one. So, a uh, motion to um, approve the minutes. Uh, of April 7th. I motion, I motion to approve the minutes of April 7th. Second. And I'll second. Okay. We have a second. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. That's uh, five yes votes. So uh, just let the record reflect. We're supposed to do roll call votes um, because it's a Zoom meeting. So I'll just, uh, if I may just call out the names. Um, Chair Saxby? Yes. Uh, Board Member Witt? Yes. Uh, Board Member Jones? Yes. Sanchez? Yes. And Lau, so that's yes. unanimous. Thank you. Same procedure for uh, May 5th meeting? Correct. I'm asking for a, a 
someone no, to uh, uh, I'll move to make a motion. The, uh, I'll move to approve the meeting minutes from May 5th. Second. I'm second. Okay, we have a second. So a roll call vote. Chair Saxby. Yes. Board member Witt. That's a yes. Uh, board member yes. Jones. Uh, that's a yes from me. And Sanchez. Yes. Board member Lau. Yes. And that motion passes unanimously. One last time <laughs> for the uh, meeting minutes of June 2nd. Um, and I guess that uh, board member Jones is not gonna, did you review the video? No, I didn't. Okay, so, so you're not gonna vote on this one. Yeah. But we still have a quorum. Uh, a motion to approve? A motion to approve. Second. Second. Okay, uh, board uh, roll call vote. Uh, who, who was the second? Was that board member Sanchez? Uh, yes, okay, correct. Okay, thank you. There were so, two, uh, actually. <laughs> Chair Saxby? Yes. Uh, board member Witt? That's a yes. Um, and board member Jones? Um, I'll abstain. Abstain. And um, Sanchez? Yes. And Lau? Yes. And so that motion passes with four votes and one abstention. <laughs> yeah, a little more formal than we're used to, but it's all good. Um, so the next item on the agenda is agenda changes and discussions. Does anyone uh, want to make, go ahead. Yeah, there are no agenda changes from staff. Okay. Any agenda changes from our board side? I don't see anybody raising their hand. So um, we're going to move right along to uh, item number five, which is oral communications. And this is an opportunity for anyone from the public to speak to the board about uh, relevant issues to the historical advisory board um, that are not currently on the, or not on the agenda for this evening's meeting. So do we have any speakers uh, for this item? I don't see any hands raised. Okay. Able to hear me? Just barely. Um, no, there no one raising their hand. They're better. Thank okay. You. So no you oral said, communications. You sound like you're very far away from the mic, Artie. Just FYI, if you're testing the system. So um, the next item is written communications. I think we saw a couple of emails posted regarding this, the uh, item 7B tonight. Uh, is there anything else that we should be aware of? Uh, that was all the written communications for this meeting. Okay, very good. Um, jumping right into the regular agenda items, item 7A, it's the certificate of approval for 950 West Mall Square to consider uh, drought tolerant landscaping for the grounds of the City Hall West. And uh, do we have a presentation tonight? Uh, yes, Chair Saxby, um, just a quick quick cover uh, introduction and I'll in, uh, introduce um, our Public Works Director, Aaron Smith. Um, you may recall back in uh, last December, we brought this item to you together with the City Hall uh, lawn conversion. This is to, um, in response to 
um, the, the climate emergency that we're in and, and the severe drought that we're experiencing. So um, at the last meeting, the board had asked for a further refinement of landscaping plans. And so um, we are here tonight ready to present you with some further detail. And with that, I'll turn that over to um, Aaron Smith, our public works director. Aaron, it's all yours. Great, thanks, Alan. Um, good evening, honorable uh, chair and members of the board. I did just wanna uh, request I have um, or, uh, a landscape architect, is there a way he can be promoted um, into the meeting? He's gonna take a portion of the presentation. Artie, um, can you promote Todd Ainsworth to the panel? Thank you. And I will go ahead and share my screen for the presentation. Just give me one moment, please. Okay. Um, uh, can uh, can the board see or can my screen be seen? Yes. Great. Excellent. Um, great. And I see Todd's joined. Uh, good evening, Todd. Uh, Alan, thanks for the introduction. Um, some of these slides are going to look a little bit familiar. Um, they were the ones that uh, we used. Um, this past December, uh, when we had come to the board um, seeking certificate of approvals for both City Hall and City Hall West locations to convert the lawn at the at their grounds to a drought tolerant landscape. And um, as Alan had mentioned, the board gave direction to move forward with the City Hall, which the construction is now complete. So if you haven't seen it, I certainly suggest uh, making your way over there. Uh, we've received some fairly fairly positive praise. Um, the board gave direction back in December to uh, make some modifications to the proposed um, landscape for City Hall West, and um, hence that's what brings us here this evening. Um, so just a quick overview. Um, I'll give some background again on the drought, touch base on why now, essentially, you know, not only motivating um, our uh, council's decision to move forward with this work is the state of the climate, uh, but also a rebate program. We'll take a quick look again at the existing conditions um, at City Hall West. Um, I'll then pass things over to Todd so uh, we can talk about the revisions that had been made since um, last December um, and then next steps and certainly open uh, to have discussion. Uh, so we are not uh, strangers to drought. This isn't our first go round um, in having an extreme drought event. So back in 2015, um, there was a statewide uh, emergency declaration that required 25% reductions um, in water uh, consumption. The city was able to uh, achieve that with council's direction for specific actions. Um, and then following that, we were able to get our water consumption down nearly 30%. Fast forward to this past summer, um, another executive order calling for additional reductions, which were voluntary um, at that time. Um, staff had gone to council seeking direction. And uh, in September, council had given direction to do a number of um, activities to achieve the voluntary reductions. Um, one of those activities included uh, lawn conversions at various facilities, City Hall and City Hall West, obviously being historic buildings, hence they had come your way, um, but the conversions are also happening at non-historic building, buildings. Um, one uh, new uh, circumstance that's come about even since last time uh, we had presented at the board, the State Water Board issued emergency regulation 
this summer that prohibits the watering of non-functional turf, which essentially means grass not used for ball fields or you know um, regular community gathering. And, and this requirement pertains to commercial and industrial uh, areas. So if anybody's been out to the Harbor Bay Business Park lately, you'll see quite a bit of brown grass. Little bit of context on municipal, uh, essentially water consumption for municipal operations. We consume nearly 140 million gallons a year. Um, the direction that council gave this past September included an assortment of measures that total about a 16% reduction. Um, the work that you're considering this evening um, will be about, a, it's actually, estimated at nearly a million gallons um, of water a year in savings once we do the drought conversion. Um, so certainly doing its part to reach uh, the goal in reducing water consumption. Um, East Bay mud um, in light of the current um, extreme drought conditions is offering a rebate that's up to $15,000 per site. We were able to take advantage of that for City Hall and intend to do so for City Hall West. The rebate has certain requirements in terms of plant selection and um, certain kind of means of um, conducting the work. We were able to just officially get sign off on that um, a week or so ago at City Hall. So we're now experts and we'll be able to move through the process, uh, assuming the board approves the certificate of approval tonight for City Hall West. Here's City Hall West. Um, the area uh, within the proposed project is the lawn area immediately adjacent to the building. So it is between the existing sidewalk and building structure. We are not proposing work on the mall lawn or in any area outside the immediate grounds of City Hall West. Happy to come back to this if questions come up, but I am gonna move to the now revised uh, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm going to first remind everybody what the board's um, input was back in um, December, and then we'll take a look at how we've incorporated um, the input into the revised uh, plan. So some of the feedback we heard was to better maintain the geometric and linear look um, of the Alameda Naval Air Station Historic District. Uh, seating was discussed, um, and then also given the historical relevance of the area, um, the board wanted to see a sense of belonging with the surrounding buildings. I am now going to pass things off to Todd um, to go over the current layout that you see here. This is also in your packet this evening. It may be easier to see um, in looking at it that way. And Todd, as you um, in your discussion, if you need me to swap and actually go to the PDF or the plant palette, I'm, I'm happy to do so. You ready for us, Todd? Now, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you Okay, now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so let's, yes, this is, let's start with the big picture. I went back to the drawing board. Um, what I presented the first time was um, sort of a more free form approach and you guys were adamant about getting some geometric order uh, that relates to the straight walkways and the layout of the building. 
So that's was my first overall goal was to try to pick up on that. And in right. terms of the plantings to accentuate that. Um, the second thing on the list, well, let me start. This is still a similar drought tolerant pollinator type gardens to try to um, encourage uh, neighbors, users, et cetera, to get outside and enjoying nature. Um, sort of the environmental justice approach, if you will. Um, now, another thing that I heard that you wanted us to do was to try to uh, strengthen and come up with a way to incorporate existing plantings. So um, let's start at the West Mile Square entrance of the building, which is the north side. Uh, now, if you look at the stairs, there's large red crepe myrtles on either side, which we're keeping, and magnolias. So to incorporate and bring that out, we're adding more uh, red crepe myrtles on either side of that main entry to try to bring that out towards the street. And they're, they're blooming quite well, even though they're on the north side of the building, it's not where I would have cited them, but I think the trade-off is to bring them out closer to the street where they'll get less shade from the, the buildings. Um, there are not a lot of trees on the side of the buildings now. There is, to be honest with you, one tree over on Saratoga Street, which is a pyrus, and it's where we're not keeping it. What we're proposing is to go with uh, Metrocedrus on both sides. And the Metrocedrus now, the shrub tree, is up on the south side, up on the right. I labeled it there. I said MET existing. So we're trying to incorporate an existing element. And your site is almost, it's 30,000 plus square feet. So it's almost two thirds of an acre. It's large. And the fact that there aren't trees there now is fine but I thought it would be nice. Those trees are spaced out about 35 feet on center. So they're, they're never gonna grow together. Um, they're not gonna create a huge amount of shade. We also sighted them in eight to 10 feet from the sidewalk. So we're just trying to, um, I thought it would be nice to get a vertical element there. Um, that was what we were, going for, to be honest with you. Also on this plan, we uh, responded to the out the request for outdoor seating. So we've created DG or decorative gravel areas with benching so that people can sit and enjoy um, a large percentage of the pollinator plants, the butterfly, the, the, the shrubs that the butterflies feed on will be located behind those two corner areas with the benches so that people can sit there and observe nature. Um, of course, the butterflies would be flying everywhere, but that would be where they're concentrated because that's where we would put the plants that act, they actually feed on. So that's the intent there. Um, we also brought up the DG elements on the side with more benching. Uh, I also, we are also showing them out towards West Mall Square. Now, something we can discuss is how much DG. Some of these areas 
Um, you know, there's a maintenance thing with DG, perhaps on the north side, we don't need so many, but I think that incorporating the corners would be an effective way to get people outside. We are also showing some trees on the corner. I'm showing two trees, but realistically, uh, it would probably end up being one tree, but we've held them back for the site triangles to keep them open. Um, now, what is different from last time, we talked about keeping a lot of the existing plantings and trying to incorporate and match those. The problem is having gone through with East Bay mud is they really want all plants to be low water usage. And none of those that are there now are low water usage. They also require extensive pruning to keep them in check, which is not per Bay friendly guidelines, which the city of Alameda has heavily adapted and all projects that we work on in the city for private developers. Um, anyway, we uh, are proposing uh, removing most of the shrubs that are tight to the building and going with the drought tolerant native palette that we're showing. It only has to be 50% native. So not all of these are natives, but the plantings that we have are on our list will grow slowly. They'll be spaced out so that when they reach their maximum height, they don't have to be constantly sheared back. They grow slowly um, for the, the first four or five years. And then when they reach their height, they slow down. They're not so that you will not have as much maintenance involved. Um, also, we'll hold them back from the building. Um, the theory there is, so when you do maintenance on the building, there'll be a little more room. Uh, the, the banding we're showing on the side, the color, the, the purple, I was just trying to get some color in those ground cover areas. Um, we're not set in stone on that. That's, I was just trying to get perhaps if you guys want something less colorful on the sides and more ground cover, we can certainly, the ground covers um, are not quite as colorful as some of the other plantings. So we could, we could do something like that. Um, I, I'm not sure if I've covered everything, um, I think we're trying to strengthen the, the main entries into the building. You'll see their linear planting that we're trying to strengthen those by providing, uh, you know, by strengthening the main access with a formal arrangement. Uh, the same up on the, uh, let's see, bear with me a second. The um, south side of the building right now there are all a bunch of existing trees up there, which we would be keeping as long as they're healthy. Um, at first observance, most of them appear healthy. So we would recommend that they remain and do some fairly simple planting. But again, it would be the same drought tolerant pollinator type planting. There is a DG area up there on the right on um, west excuse me, on the right, which would be the uh, west um, in the sun. 
so that people can sit there. The other reason we located the outdoor seating areas on the corners is because they're away from the building so that the sun relationship would be the strongest in those areas. Um, the de it's probably going to end up being a decomposed granite. There would be a, a membrane underneath it, which is a paving that they use. It's very, it's, it's very, it's gravel paved. It's very similar to what they use under turf cell uh, or turf cell paving to help support the weight of a fire truck on grass cell. So it keeps it, it keeps it um, from becoming a huge maintenance problem if kids ride bikes through there. In other words, uh, it would be a little more expensive, but it would still be a lot less than concrete and it'll help on the maintenance and keep the tracks from appearing or washing out during a, a heavy rain. Todd, do you want me to maybe finish through the slides and we can open up for discussion or share? Is that, does that sound like, I just got a slide or two left to go. Okay, that sounds um, fine. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and so as shown in the um, staff report, uh, this project does require a certificate of approval granted from the Historic Advisory Board in order to move uh, forward. Um, staff does believe that the law and conversion as proposed is consistent with the standards in that it maintains the spatial relationship between the existing landscape area in the building and therefore preserves that important character defining feature. And just to give a sense um, of next steps, once we um, are able to, once we've met the board's needs in terms of uh, moving forward, we do intend to um, have some community input um, and then would move towards a construction package um, out to bid in October and ideally construction starting sometime um, in December. I haven't talked about it with Todd, but I'd estimate maybe a six month construction time or so. So definitely by next late spring or summer, um, we'd be enjoying the new landscape. Five months. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. Um, Director so Smith, yes, if, if I could just tack on to that, um, and um, Chair Saxby and members of the board, you may remember in our uh, staff report, we have referenced that Alameda Point is uh, part of the NAS Alameda Historic District, and mm -hmm. um, the there's also a cultural landscape component to it for which there is a report and um, landscape design guidelines. So in developing this plan, we, we have um, reviewed the landscape guidelines, which, which really doesn't specify that the lawn itself is important and character defining, which gives us the um, room to propose a, um, a lawn conversion plan. And as Director Smith said in the last slide, um, the, the key point here is uh, whether we are preserving kind of the spatial uh, uh, relationship between the building and the surrounding open space, which the landscape guidelines say is landscaping. And if we look back in the history of how the Navy, when they operated the base, um, you know, there were various changes in the landscaping as well. So you could also treat this plan as sort of the evolution of the landscaping. Yes, there was a lot of grass, a lot of lawn, but when you look at Alameda Point and other historic buildings, there were also um, a combination of a lot of trees and shrubberies as part of that landscape. So I just want to point that out for your consideration. Thank you for that clarification. Um, <clears throat> 
yeah, I went back and, and looked at the the Page and Turnbull report from 2005, and there's there's kind of vague references about the landscaping. Um, it refers to the fact that there needs to be an, a landscape assessment done, but is that something that you were talking about, Alan? Was a landscape assessment done? So I think subsequent to the Page and Turnbull report was the um, cultural landscape report, and included in that is the um, uh, or the landscape guidelines, which okay. we provided as a link in the staff report. Okay, I must have missed that. Um, which is it's a I mean it's a large document, so um, we we tried to highlight the specific page, but um, we could we could provide that information again at this meeting. Yeah, my, I mean, for this, I think this board, you know, the main concern is is how this landscaping ties in with the, the rest of the Naval Air Station um, and, you know, the future plans for that and how it addresses the historic character issue um, for the Naval Air Station. And, um, you know, make sure that what we're doing is is compatible. I think that's that's really the key to it. And you know what I what I see out there, and what I what I take from what I've read is that, you know, sort of focusing on the the the, the formal sort of decorative edges of of entry points and um, you know along the streets and courtyards, um, you know, focusing the landscape, the decorative portions of the landscape in those areas is what's critical, and that the the lawn was sort of used to fill fill in everything else, and. Um, so, you know, I think that, that this plan does do some of some of that, and especially, you know, the 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 um, you know the entry the entry walkways seem to be sort of a focal point on the landscaping with the trees and the um, colored plants and the the edges of the building also um, with the same kind of approach and the addition of trees along the sidewalks. Those are all positive things. But I guess the, the one question I have is, um, you know, I, and it's kind of a, it, it sort of comes from the, the previous discussion we had about this. Um, I, I hesitate to, to have too, uh, too naturalistic looking landscape, um, you know, sort of the wild looking uh, natural California native plant type landscape because the Naval Air Station is such a formal sort of manicured type space. Okay. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, how this plan sort of addresses that concern. Okay, so let me back up. The East Bay Mud, one of their mandates is it has to be 50% native. Now, I don't, I don't dispute that. I mean, okay, but there's the character wise, character wise, that doesn't mean that we all have to that we have to use all native foundation plants for lack of a better word we would probably not use very many native plants in tight to the building most of the native plants will be in the ground cover which are low um and Can you give are, me a, a sense of how low well sure for instance um do you have the the the, the plant palette pages yes i do i'm um, looking at them Okay, so a sense of how low is in that 12 inch to 15 inch range. Okay. Um, if you look at the Achillea milliform, sea pink, which is down on, on the, um, it's in Alameda all over. It's down near the, the shore, uh, a lot of different projects. But anyway, the, the pink and the white are low ground covers. 
the Cotoneaster Damari would be it gets about 12 inches max. The uh, Arctostaphylus um, uva ursae is another one that gets about 10 to 12 inches. The Blue Fingers, blue ice plant. Yeah, I'm familiar um, with that one. It gets, it's very low, very hardy, very, very easy to maintain, bulletproof, low water. Um, so those would be, and then the the San Miguel Island buckwheat is one that the butterflies love, but it it tends to uh, stay nice and attractive year round. I, I I'm not, you're right. A lot of natives have a bad go through a bad period, typically about August through early spring, um, and so we know that. And those are the ones we try to work around or use them in in and where there's other things going on, so you won't notice them as much. Um, so that's kind of our approach. And if I may also um, just uh, address a question that um, Chair Saxby brought earlier, uh, which is um, the relationship between the city hall site and the surrounding um, places uh, in the administrative core. And I think it's just helpful for us to, to see what's there. And um, if I may share my screen, I just want to show a couple of perspectives from the um, from Google Street View. So, um, well, this is an image of the uh, of the mall across hey, from my, the city That's hall. my car at work. Is that your car? <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see, it's not just all lawn. There's a lot of shrubbery integrated yeah. into the trees. Right, right. And yeah, then right. I also want to just show you a- But it's very uh, focused around the edges. Yes. And then this is uh, City Hall West mm -hmm. on the left. And right. then right across the street is another uh, Navy building and landscaping. That's just not lawn, but also yeah. a lot of ground cover and shrubbery. So we were we were looking at um, these examples um, in developing this um, landscape plan. Some of the plants we've used are from that building across the, the way. There's some leptospermin and some other choices. The, the ground cover we're using we thought were good choices. So we are making an attempt, yes. So in comparing it to that building uh, across the road, um, there's a lot of mulch uh, that we're seeing in this picture. Is that sort of what you're envisioning for um, the city hall landscape? Is no. that Or it's gonna be all covered with ground cover? That's kind of what we like to do is get it, <laughs> get it covered with ground cover. Mulch won't grow, I guarantee it. Well, it grows weeds. Um, it grows weeds. And exactly what you're looking at there is the antithesis of the bay-friendly approach, which is they encourage you not to cut back the plants. So that's why you have to select plants that are adaptive to the site, space them out correctly, so you don't have mow, blow, and go comes four times a year, <laughs> and you end up, I'm sorry, it's a pet peeve, um, and end up if, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to avoid. I think this was the the Navy's style, isn't it? <laughs> With the, the shaping of all plants. Things have changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we don't want things to grow together and become a, a mess. So we'll plant them out. And over in time, there'll have to be a little bit of, there'll be some trimming. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but for the, you, you, you make sure for the first three or four years that they don't have to go in there and cut, cut it back, you know, every, four months. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to invite questions from other board members or 
we have more uh, board member Sanchez. Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, uh, Director Smith and Mr. Ainsworth, thank you very much for your presentation. Um, and I do think that um, this is a, a great improvement from the last uh, plan that we saw. Um, definitely, it, it's clear that you took our, our comments to heart, so we appreciate that. Um, a couple questions for Mr. Ainsworth. Uh, the first one is, the: I understand that the trees that are adjacent to the entry, the magnolias and the crepe myrtles are yes. existing, but do you know, are those, do those historically exist um, I throughout don't know. the site? Okay. I, 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 there's no question that when I drove around the site, uh, I didn't see magnolia trees. I mean, the, the immediate expanding out neighborhood, nor the um, crepe myrtles. So I think that they are. So they're, they're likely a more recent, a, recent, a more recent planting. The, the, the crepe myrtles look like maybe they were planted, I would say like 15 years ago, max, something okay. like that. Uh, but they meet your, uh, your goals of helping the yes. landscape to become more drought tolerant. And, yes. And that's, okay. They're, they're not native, but they do have good habitat value because they have seeds on them and the birds really like them. So that's important. Um, and they're aesthetically pleasing. Great. Um, one other question is, do you, have, um, do you have an image that you could share with us or give us some idea of what you envision the seating looking like? Is there, are there benches um, on the base elsewhere that are something that could be used as, as a, maybe a, a design uh, inspiration for those benches, or do you have something selected already that you could point us to? Um, we have, I, I did not see any, any benching in the immediate area, but we would go with something that's historical, low maintenance. Um, all, Aren't there some benches along the uh, Sea Plain Lagoon? Landscape that's been recently developed. The waterfront so, park. The waterfront, the waterfront park. park. Yeah. We also have some new benches over at, um, on Santa Clara, which are kind of historical bench. That might be a good starting point. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I think the reason I ask is because whereas I feel that at City Hall, something a little bit more sort of traditional park-like setting works well there. I think that out here at the point, um, similar to the Seaplane Lagoon, as, as um, Chairman Sachs, who was pointing out, might be more appropriate, right? Something that um, maybe is a little bit more clean-lined and, and, and not so, not something that looks like it belongs in, in Golden okay. Gate Park from the early 1900s. So that would, that would be my suggestion. Yeah, what we used at um, Santa Clara is a modern historical approach. So it, it has... Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a very good material. It's a nice color. It's very well made. It's not your black iron wooden bench Golden Gate Park. <laughs> okay. Excellent. I agree. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. This is, this um, too, too modern for Victorian era furniture. There you go. There you go. Um, so I was going to ask, um, Alan, is it possible? Do you have the cultural landscape report that you could share on your screen? I wanted uh, to, I wanted to see if we could call up a page on it because I, I think it's actually 
really informative for our discussion. Yeah, I am trying to uh, pull it up, but the- Do you uh, have it, Norman, that you can uh, pull it, up and share your screen? The document's um, almost, I think it's 800 pages. So the PDF is yeah, very I, large. <laughs> I can wow. tell you what page to get to if you, if you need it. Maybe I can. Anyway, it's, we're... it's still loading on my computer. Okay, uh, well, I'll, remember I'll, Sanchez, I'll... I I can tell you the the a question you had about whether the trees were original. Me, uh, mm -hmm. the, are you meaning like um, original from the time of building construction? Because I can tell you for a fact that none of the original landscape is is still intact. Right, the Navy no, themselves would... had had re, uh, refurbished its landscaping over over the years. Right. I think for me, it was more a matter of whether those were species that were used in the original uh, planting of the site, not necessarily that they're original trees, but that they were part of the original palette that was okay. developed for the landscaping in the 40s. That was that was the main question. Got it. Yeah. And um, I don't and I don't believe that uh, the species were themselves character defining, but more of the um, visual effect that the landscaping gave right, and the spatial right. relationship. That's what's important. And at, at this within this historic district. Okay, so while we wait for the image in case it comes up, I think the the point I wanted to make um, is that the so the lawn areas were originally planted with ice plant, is what I understand, and the ice plant was of various colors. And so I think that if you look at the historic, there's on um, on page sixty four of the cultural landscape report, there's a postcard that was colorized from a black and white photo. And so the colors are a little bit fluorescent, but it, it's really quite lovely and it's very bright. And they show as an example, a picture of um, uh, of another site that also has a lot of ice plants in multiple colors. So I guess it, in my mind, I think that the low plantings that are being proposed and, and the variety of colors um, sort of harken back to that ice plant and that low planting works well. Um, the other thing that they point out in the report is that the the cedars that are on the corners on um, i guess it's the south corners of the right. of the of the site mm -hmm. yeah so that's um do you see the color so, photo yeah. right so okay. so from what i understood is that all of the you know all of the areas that are now lawn in that entry um square were originally planted with ice plant and in, in you know a variety of colors and so it was quite you know, so when I look at the plants and I look at the selections, I feel like this sort of harkens back to that low ground cover, but not necessarily flat lawn. Right. Um, I feel like the colors are appropriate. And, and so, again, I, I think that that was a very telling image and it was it was nice to see. Um, the other the other point that was made in the cultural report was that the trees at the corners at the south corners along West Midway at corners of uh, West Midway and Lexington and West right. Midway and Saratoga were not uh, not standalone, but rather were part of a row of trees that bordered all four all four sides of the block. And okay. so I think that to me that the approach that that you're taking here of sort of continuing that linear procession of trees down the block is sort of harkens back to what was originally designed for the site, which was that those trees weren't intended to be marking the corner per se, but they were intended to be a row of trees that separated the sidewalk from the building. And then it was low planting between the between the sidewalk and the and the foundation is what the culture report says. So given all of that, and and I think that 
you know, the way that the new plan accentuates the walkways in, in and out of the building um, sort of preserves the formal nature of the, of the landscape that was originally planned for the site. So I would say overall, I think it's, um, it's successful in, in what it's trying to achieve. I think the sight lines, the cultural report also talks about the sight line um, to the seaplane lagoon from the entry and back towards the square. And I think that the benches are, um, you know, and the planting, uh, opening up the corners and the sight lines back towards the center of the site are are all in line with those goals. So, um, yeah, I would say overall I'm in support and it seems like that you've managed to achieve the formality without it, um, you know, without having to sacrifice um, the choice of plantings. And I think you're bringing back the color that was there originally. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the direction that you've taken. Good, thank you. So let's uh, focus more on questions right now. Um, so do we have any more questions from the board? One, one question I have is, you know, one of the things about the, the historic pictures that were just being shown is that the, the landscape plantings around the building were sort of more the shrubs style and then the rest of it was sort of more ground cover um, between the sidewalk and the and the building um, so does this does your plan sort of reflect that same quality it's a little difficult for me to tell how much of it is ground cover and how much of it is sort of uh, more of a shrub taller oh, okay plant. so the um, the circles let me just help you out with the graphic and I, I know what you're saying the the circles are actual shrubs the areas of color would be more of a ground cover. So we would do the formal foundation planting against the building, and then it's gonna go low ground cover, different types of ground cover for different colors. And also because of the, um, the potential for attracting pollinators. Um, so it's gonna be very similar. It's gonna go from the tall at the building and then low, uh, maybe 10 to 12 feet out from the building and then it's going to go low to the um to the sidewalk okay so and then you've kind of very uh sort of rectilinearly defined the the uh, the ground cover you know when it actually starts to grow it's it's all going to kind of mesh together right it's not going to that's true no, we're not going to be holding no, no. those to, to defined lines there's going to be no headers there it's okay. just a just a graphic and i okay. i thought about that afterwards um and and some but yeah i was just trying to get some color in there and they'll they'll kind of grow together and it won't be such a hard um distinguishing difference over the years but the color difference will still be there okay so uh, other questions from board members any well, then uh, I'm going to open it up to public comment. Um, do we have any speakers on this agenda item? I'm not um, seeing any hands raised. OK, you can see more than I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, we'll close the public comment and bring it back to the board for comment. I think uh, Board Member Sanchez has kind of indicated where, where he falls on this uh, particular plan. And I tend to agree with you know much of what he said. I think um, having it explained uh, more thoroughly, you know, and how it's gonna relate to 
sort of the more historical qualities of the Naval Air Station, I think really does help support this, this particular plan. I like the, the, the seating areas. I'm not sure about the rocks, um, just because I don't, doesn't, doesn't feel to me like the rocks are something that the Navy, Navy would, have, would have done. But um, that's sort of falling into that more naturalistic landscape that, mode. That's more the Bay friendly, you got it. <laughs> um, we could do just a few but rocks. I, I'm, not gonna, a I'm not gonna press that issue. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a thought I had. Okay. Um, and you know, I like the addition of the trees actually. I think that's a, that's a nice touch. Um, and especially, you know, kind of defining the perimeter of this of the site. Uh, so, other board members want to make some comments. I can't see everyone on my screen right now, so maybe I should open it up. I'll just say that it's a beautiful plan, and I love the benches. and And thanks for putting all the detail in and explaining it so well. I think it's going to look wonderful. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. Mayor Sanchez. Sorry, I did have another question I wanted to ask. Um, so our our office is out here on Harbor Bay, and so we're very familiar with um, the drying grass. Uh, mm -hmm. What we've what we've noticed is that some of the trees are suffering for that as well because they're not getting watered. So I wondered um, if you could just sort of address how do how do those two interface. So if you have a drought tolerant landscape that is getting minimal water, do the trees get watered differently uh, to yes. account for that? And yes, um, yeah, trees okay. get watered differently. Um, the trees. Okay, so let's just big picture is the irrigation system is what they call Netafem, which is a series of drip line tubes that are spaced out 18 to 24 inches apart, depending on the spacing of the plants. There is a, a hole where water comes out maybe every 12 to 18 inches on center. So that's four to six inches down everywhere. The trees, because they are bigger boxes when they go in, they have much larger root masses, are watered by a drip bubbler, which is a different system. So the trees are on different valves so that as they grow and they need less water, you can adjust it. And all of this, there, there's hydrozones for all of this so that the system on the north side are different valves than the system on the east or the south side. So the hydrozones are taken into account. Uh, the trees are on different valves. Trees that take more water uh, would be on a separate valve. We have a very good irrigation consultant and um, that's the first thing they look at is all the hydrozones. And we, we go to great lengths to get that right so that it's successful over the years. But that's a good question. Uh, they didn't used to do that. <laughs> so this is new technology with the controllers are connected to the satellites for the weather data. Um, it's very different. Board Member Sanchez, I can just speak to the Harbor Bay. It's a very antiquated irrigation system, at least that that serves the public portion or the landscape and lighting district portion. So right. it's either like on or off. And so what they're doing is uh, essentially just watering, I think it's one or two days a week to ensure that the trees are getting something, but obviously that's not sufficient enough water for the grass that's out there. 
Other board comments? Board member Lau. Yeah, I just have a comment though. Every day I drive by to the main um to the main city hall one I and mean, in Santa Clara one, it's actually pretty pretty. I I like it though. And then like um the main key is that we want to save in water. And um I feel is I when I see the when the main um city hall, like in Santa Clara, actually I want to change in my fun yard like that. So I I I like it. Well good. We, we remember Jones. Oh, <laughs> remember Jones. Um, I really appreciated what you said, um, board member. Um, I mean, uh, Chair Saxby about the the look and feel of the uh, naval space where there's you know some order, and I think the way they achieved it was through the um, I don't know the correct term, but kind of like the pruning and the geometric shapes of cutting things down. Um, I obviously, um, I believe Mr. Ainsworth has talked about why that's um, not something that is sustainable. And I think that the order really comes from where the shrubs have been placed. And um, there is an order to it and an ornamentation that also is decorative, for lack of better word, that I think highlights that area, which I really also appreciate. And um, another thing that I also um, appreciated, sorry for, <laughs> it's late for me, but um, uh, what uh, Mr. Tai was saying about the whole, um, I guess, uh, you know, bird's eye view, if you will, you know, that a lot of the the ornamentation, the, the colors um, really come close to the building itself. But when you're really walking in that area, you get a sense, I mean, I don't know what's to happen with the lawn, but hopefully that looking around the buildings and where they exist in relationship to each other, I think will um, still be preserved as far as, you know, where you are and the sort of, um, uh, the heights of the different plants versus, you know, your sort of um, uh, viewpoint uh, everywhere else in the building. So I think that really all helps to um, give a sense of um, place and feel of that area, that which is what we're trying to preserve, which is kind of tricky because it's all very subjective in that way. But um, I just wanted to add that I see um, sort of the order as far as the geometric um, plantings and the shapes of that. I think that there are a lot of colors um, and it's going to be very um, colorful as all these native plants have beautiful a beautiful palette. And I, I think that's a varying, oh, you know, that's a little bit different to what I've seen in kind of the historical photos because um, there, it just seemed like there's a limited color palette there. But um, other than that, I think it's, I, I'm just subjectively, I'm very excited about it. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's, I think uh, board member Lau made an excellent, or, or Jones made an excellent point that, um, you know, there is a, a, a huge number of plant types in the, in the selection, like over 30 different types of shrubs. Um, and if 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 that palette could be you know more focused, I think it might help it become more like the Naval Air Station historically. So, so but 
you know, I, I just, what are your thoughts on that? So what I was going to say is um, when I, when I design, um, I also do a lot of watercolor and a lot of other stuff on the side. So I, I tend to go overboard on the color um, because for me, when I, when I go to make the final planting plan, I don't look at the colors. I look at the variation and then I make sure I get the right plant. So I'm just, it's just a thought process and it's so much easier to go back and reduce than it is to throw it up. I mean, to, to make it stronger. And what you said about the plants, you have to realize that you're, you're right. Probably a good 25 to 30% won't be used. I just go through and get them all on there. And then you go through one more time. I'll go through one more time and okay, make it nice and strong. So it's repetitive as you go around the building and the colors are repeated. The plants are repeated when it's the right exposure. You have to go with a pretty substantial plant list because you have several different exposures um, and you want to get the right plant. Um, and, and the plants have different blooming seasons. So what really happens is like your aloes and things are really good at blooming in the winter time and the nifofia and the other ones aren't in bloom. So what I'm rendering is something that's in bloom all the time, which is a myth. So I think that the colors will evolve. I don't think it's going to be too colorful and I'll take that to heart when I, when I do my final selection. Okay. Thank you. Other comments from the board? I think we're ready to, uh, take a vote on the draft resolution. Um, all in favor of approving the, the concept landscape plan for, or the proposed landscape uh, plan for City Hall West, um, kind of a show show of hands, or do we have to do a roll call? We would need vote? a, uh, yes. So Chair okay. Sachs, we will need a motion, a second, and a motion then a, a roll second, call. And a vote. roll call. Thank you. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'll, I'll propose a motion that we approve um, the landscape plan as proposed um, for City Hall West. And a second? Oh, I'll second that. We have a second. So let's have a vote. Board Member Jones. Oh, um, I approve. Uh, Board Member Lau. Oh. Board Member Witt. Yes, I approve. Board Member Sanchez. Yes. And Chair Saxby. Yes. So that motion approves uh, is approved unanimously. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, uh, Have yeah. a nice day. Well, thanks for the nice presentation and uh, thoughtful feedback to our questions. Thank you. Thank you. It'll be it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Me too. Mm -hmm. Good night. Good night. Uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, item seven B which is the certificate of approval for 1205 Post Street. The applicant, Angela Klein, and um, I believe it's a, an addition to an existing home. Um, yes, Chair Saxby, members of the board, um, yep. I'd like to introduce you Deirdre McCartney, our planner two and um, in-house architect uh, with a brief staff report on this item. Deirdre. Thank you, Alan. Um, this proposed project is an application for a um, second story addition to a small um, pre-1942 cottage that requires the demolition of more than 30% of the value of the structure. 
the existing cottage has been altered over the years with um, changes to the facade, replacement of the siding. Some of the windows have been replaced with vinyl and aluminum and a rear addition was added in 1912. The demolition is um, necessary in order to replace most of the one-story structure with a new structure that is designed to support two stories. Um, and this will be done within the same footprint. The existing facade will remain and the proposed addition will be set back about 14 feet from the front of the building. Staff has researched the building and the builder is unknown, so there is no evidence of a master builder, nor does it possess um, high artistic values. There are no historical or cultural heritage events associated with the property, nor association with persons important to local, state, or national history. Uh, the property does not yield any information about prehistory or local community history and staff recommends approval of the conditions of approval to demolish over 30% of the building to facilitate the second story addition. And I can share my screen to um, show you some photographs of the existing. Can you see that okay? Yes. Um, here's a street view of the front facade and a bird's eye view looking down so you get some context of the neighborhood. And then this next slide shows the existing front facade as viewed from the street um, and the addition behind it with some minor modifications. Um, replacing the large window in the front and um, just replacing some of the, uh, the trim and the siding. Does anyone have any questions? So you're ready for questions, okay. Well, I don't know, do, you, do I need to no, I think I if you're done, we're, we're ready. <laughs> um, I'll open it up to the board. Is there anyone that wants to ask a question? Board Member Sanchez. Uh, thanks. So the, am I correct that the existing siding is not wood siding, right? On the front, it was, it was originally right. wooden, it's been replaced? Yeah. Okay, and so the proposal is to reside the building basically as part of the project as well yeah the entire building will receive new, new siding the addition and the existing front portion of it okay thank you you know this may be beyond our purview here but um i noticed the second story plate height was seven feet and it looks like i can't really read what the overall height of the building is but it's it's well under the 30 feet allowed is that right yes yes that's um is there any is is that a requirement from the city uh or is that could could the designer have used an eight foot plate height our objective standards call for a seven foot six plate height so the designer seven foot six, okay. yeah um and she's added um the uh eyebrows over the the right. window so that the framing makes sense and there's a little more light yeah get the full window height yeah. 
Any questions, other questions? I'm not seeing anybody's hand raised. Um, so there are no other questions, we can open this up for public comment. Are there any, uh, anybody wanna speak on this project? Uh, I had a real quick question. Oh, go ahead. Um, so for uh, uh, norm, like people like me who don't have a background in architecture, I know that um, like windows are very, it, it's like, uh, I think that as far as like, um, you know, trying to preserve the character of the home, um, oftentimes we're sort of, um, suggested that, you know, we kind of like maintain the windows. Are, are these windows, um, what, what is this, the style of the windows of this original home, is that original to this house or has it been replaced over time? It's been replaced over time with um, aluminum and vinyl windows, which are not original materials for that period of architecture. And, um, they're being replaced with, um, I forget if they're, they're either wood clad or fiberglass, but a material that's similar to the original material that was used on the home. Got it. And is there some sort of design guide or style guide as far as like number of windows or like, you know? Um... There's, there's code requirements for light and ventilation, um, but no, there really isn't a specific number of windows that are required. Um, windows are also required for egress, but yeah. Right, I guess I'm more talking about like a style guide to um, this kind of architecture. Like, is there anything that says, um, you know, most homes of this period have like, like uh, symmetrical windows or, you know, um, you know, or asymmetrical windows, or is there any kind of, description sure. about I, I think yeah, what I, I would uh, maybe sorry I'll let you answer that Ellen sorry okay. I think Norman you can probably answer that question <laughs> no I, I, I was gonna say I, I think Norman Ruth Jones is getting to a, a very important topic and I think you are thinking about the um, style guides that we have in our architectural resources booklet that we've published that um, documents a variety of uh uh, Victorian era homes, older homes, um, pre-42 period homes, and, and the particular features and uh, of those styles. Um, but I would say that, um, true, we, we have those style guides. Um, this building isn't, I would say this building is, isn't reflective of a, a particular style. It's just a very small, modest cottage. Um, not saying it doesn't add any value. I mean, but, but originally as it was construct and design it was just kind of a uh you know it didn't didn't have a lot of ornamentation so i would say no there's not a there's not a prescribed menu of uh features that we should be adding onto the building and um you know the 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 windows were probably the most um uh i would say the windows probably was what gave this home a lot of the feature, original features, but even then it probably was built without much ornamentation, probably a very modest trim other than maybe a, a recessed, uh, you know, wood window, but um, all of that fabric has been um, removed over, over time. So I, so in this case, I guess a long story short, there isn't, there isn't a specific um, style guide that would apply to this particular 
um, building. Got it. Well, and, and, and I noticed in the Sanborn map, and I'm not sure what date the Sanborn map was, but the applicant had included one in their in their package. The, uh, the This house is, as it exists now, is very different than what it was when it was originally built. There was a, a porch uh, entry on the, the left side of the house from the front. And so this entry that we're seeing now is, is not original and, and uh, you know, who knows when it was added to the house. Correct, yeah. Um, so we're about to pass it to public comment. Are there any other board comments or questions that is? Okay, then uh, are there any public comments? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. I, I think I heard that there were uh, currently no one has raised their hand. So that means there's no public speakers. Okay, there's no public speakers. Uh, so we'll close public comment and bring it back to the board for, for um, our comments. Would anyone like to start? Board Member Sanchez. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to start maybe addressing uh, the question that uh, Vice Chair Jones had. I, so I think, Lynn, the, you know, to sort of expand a little bit on, on Alan's uh, comment, the, so if you look at the neighborhood that this house is in, this house is very unique to that neighborhood. It's sort of a standalone. Um, there aren't other homes uh, that look anything like this in, in the neighborhood. And whether, you know, and then it, it was a house that was fairly modest to begin with, fairly small in scale and didn't seem to have a lot of character defining features, in my opinion. And so I think that, um, you know, the, the design sort of, uh, there was a bit of a blank slate with this one. I don't know that there was any driving force. Um, you know, the, the most of the houses in the neighborhood are sort of, you know, up above a crawl space and they tend to be more cottage-like and they tend to be double hung windows and those sorts of things, um, which I think if this house was of that style would be an appropriate way to go. But I think here there was really quite a bit of freedom to, to choose whichever path they wanted to go. And then I think that, you know, the just overall the design feels cohesive. It certainly feels... Um, uh, a lot more ordered and appropriate uh, as a as a design, in my opinion, overall, compared to what was done to the house over time. So, um, and there really is not, no, uh, I don't feel like we're losing anything that has significant historic value. So, um, yeah, I guess overall, I'm in support with the application. I think it's a it's a nice, sensitive approach to this particular project. Other board comments? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure I'm seeing everyone here, so. I think board, board member Lau. Lau. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, board member Sanchi mentioned. Uh, I mean, uh, the common. Yeah. It's. Uh, I checked it around the house area, and uh, you know, around that house, so most of those they have a basement, and then they have uh, you know, one level. It's much higher than um higher than that house. This house is kind of not unique. I mean, kind of like um, uh, it's not not consistent with the the neighborhood. So, um, you know, you compare that, um, I see most of the neighborhood like uh, around that house is a like basement, uh, either basement or cross bay. And then like, the, if, my, my question is that if, 
if the houses I saw the proposal is about like the height is about 23 feet. And um, most of the houses about below 23 feet. So is it if they if we approve it that one, is it that how will be higher than all the neighborhood? Or are we should keep it like similar, like like the neighborhood one? This is what my question is. Yeah, so board member, I can take that question. So um, the, the height is determined by the uh, maximum height limit in the zoning district. So in this case, um, is this, uh, what, what's the zone R1? It would be 30 feet if it's R1. So that would be the, the, the height limit that would apply. And so, um, you know, we, we, don't, we don't, staff doesn't look at the neighboring homes to determine how tall this addition could be. I mean, but, but um, you know, the, the seven foot plate height that was uh, mentioned earlier, that's really um, to address the style of addition. And so in this case, this is considered um, what, we, what the design manual describes as a pop-up addition. And in that case, um, we, we to, to lower kind of that, the, the looming effect of the pop-up edition, um, it prescribes a seven, um, seven and a half foot plate height. But otherwise there's no, the height limit in the zoning district's 30 and that's what we would use to set the height. Don't Does need that to answer the question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no need to today because I just want to see them be consistent on the ordinary, I mean, anyway, yeah. Another question I have is, uh, you know, the original, I saw the, um, Bob member John mentioned about it, the window size is like, I saw in the front end, you know, like um, currently is using the casement. Is it later on when we have a new design, we change into double hung window? Is it like, uh, is it we would keep it like um, style, like casement style in the front? Or I mean, is it, is it kind of like match the design or original or something? So is the question, this is a question that whether the window should be single or double hung versus casement? Yeah, because it's the original design is actually look like it's a casement though at the beginning at, at the front. I, I only talk about the front, the front side. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. based on the pen. Deirdre, can you answer that? I, 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 yeah. It looks like there's a single hung window at the top and then maybe no, some the bottom, sliders. The bottom. Or th those might be horizontal sliders. Um, it, the original, well, the current windows, Not current windows, <laughs> there's a single hung and a slider and they're being replaced with, um, casement style windows. Oh. Yeah. And, and, um, staff, we treat casement and single hung style as if they were from the same period of time. So those are right. typically seen as appropriate because yeah, those were the types of windows we had back in the days. What's the story with the, the single casement, or excuse me, the single hung window at the gable on the existing elevation? Is there a two stories or a story and a half space there? Or is that an attic? Um, that was, um, at some point they had done a re, an interior remodel where they opened up the ceiling in the, okay. um, in the front room, which is dining and living. I see. Yeah. Okay. So it looks a little odd as far as it, its scale. It, it is out of scale. So they've replaced <laughs> it with a smaller scale. Um, they still have the open uh, living dining area in the front. Oh, they do, okay. So they, but with a smaller window, but it's compensated for by adding the additional windows in the front elevation. <clears throat> no, I think the, the, the new design is, is a, a much more attractive um, composition of the front facade. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that, that the 
the addition has been stepped back and it, it doesn't loom over the, the existing house. Um, I think it all, it all works fairly well. Any other uh, board comments? Board Member Jones. Um, yeah, just to sort of tack on, I think what Alvin was referring to as far as the height of the building, um, I think we also have to sort of appreciate where that addition is. Um, you know, there's, I, I don't know the exact dimensions, but sometimes when we look at, you know, drawings like this, uh, it's just like a front facing view, but we don't know exactly where this, uh, you know, um, how the depth of that addition. So I guess it's sort of a question and a comment, but um, just pointing that out, oftentimes, you know, a, a drawing like this makes it look kind of like really stacked on top of each other. But in actuality, when you're um, just walking on the street or viewing the house from the sidewalk, it's not quite as, um, you know, frontward facing or um, just kind of in your face that way. Um, so I guess I just wanted to make that comment. And um, I, I agree with um, the comments being made as far as attractiveness of this new design. I think this um, new house is quite charming. And um, it was nice to hear from the neighbors and support of this design as well that we got um, some of the comments. Um, and um, yeah, I just, uh, my question earlier was, just so that I wasn't, um, you know, um, swayed by the attractiveness and just wanted to make sure that I was doing my due diligence as far as like a sort of more minimal look, if that was something we needed to preserve versus, you know, um, what we have here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the, for um, this project and I, I hope it goes well. I, I think that um, I'm curious actually, as far as um, the choice of the doors and the windows, um, I don't think we're, it's gonna run into this, but obviously something that we care about is recreating history. But I think the use of materials, colors, um, I don't think it's gonna you know, look indicative of something that is um, like original, original to the house. Um, but kind of a fresher approach, but I do love the nod towards its, its history and when this um, house was originally built. Um, yeah. I'd like to, to comment back to Board Member Jones's just recent comment about the history um, and having sort of uh, non-historical features. This building is not listed on our, our study list register for historic properties. And so I don't, think the issue of sort of false historicism is is really going to come into play for this particular building. Um, they, they sort of have a, a clean palette as far as what, what they're doing with the structure. Um, and it, to me, it looks like they've they sort of respected the original design and just kind of made little improvements that made it more attractive. Um, but again, it's there's no historical character defining features that we're trying to protect and and preserve. Um, it's it's really just sort of a, you know a cute little cottage. Uh, Board member Witt, did you want to make a comment? 
Um, no, I mean, I, you guys did it. You guys, I think, made all the comments that I was thinking. I mean, I think the the design looks great, and I think they they it it was just sort of a basic cottage, and now it's going to be a, looks like it's going to be a really great place for the people to live. So, also very excited for them. Other comments? If I'm still not seeing everybody on the board in one screen, so. I'm not seeing any hands raised. Um, so I, at this point, do we have a, a motion to approve the, um, I guess we're approving the demolition of, of more than 30% of this pre-1943 building? Uh, is there a motion? I'll make a motion to uh, approve of this demolition of more than 30% of this property on 1205 Post Street. And a second. second. And we have a second. So we need um, a roll call vote. Yes, uh, Board Member Jones. Um, I approve. Lau. Approve. Witt. I approve. Sanchez. Yes, I approve. And Chair Saxby. I approve as well. So that motion passes unanimously. Great. Thank you, Ms. McCartney. Thank you, Chair Saxby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we're done with that particular uh, agenda item. And we move on to agenda item 7C, which is the, the annual board elections. And uh, I think at the beginning of the meeting, uh, Mr. Tai mentioned that uh, Board Member Witt is not going to be continuing on with the board. So I just wanted to say, really been a pleasure serving on the board with you, and thank you for all your efforts and time, and you know, I, and your focus on sort of community participation and um, those those issues, which um, you know were unique to you, I think, <laughs> bringing to our discussions. And I I, re I really appreciate that, and um, we're going to miss you. So. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor and, and a pleasure serving on this board. You know, we went through a, a pandemic together. So yes, yes we did. This we, is all we, new. <laughs> we 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 came out the other side. So you know, I'm so I'm so happy to have met you guys all and, and met the community and understand the historical um, perspective way more than I had. And so, you know, I look forward to seeing you guys again in, in different capacity. I'll definitely be out in the community volunteering and and um, and and advocating for the, that community. <laughs> so Excellent. thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. And staff also thank you for your participation, your service to the city. And you've been a very important member of this board. So thank you. Yeah, it's four thank years, you, right? That's mm -hmm. that's a significant amount of time. Ooh, right? I know, right? It's <laughs> great. But here we go into board elections. And before I let anybody else speak, I would I would like to to uh, nominate board member Sanchez to take over the chair position. Last year, I, I, I deferred to the board um, before I said anything. And here I am as a chair. So uh, I'm stepping forward now and I'd like to, to nominate board member Sanchez to be our, our new uh, chair. And, um, but I'm also gonna open it up for other nominations uh, for that position, and then we can take a vote. 
Does anybody else want to make a nomination? <laughs> so just a reminder, I think the board is uh, usually nominating a chair and then also a vice chair. Right. So well, let's just do one. You're going to do time. chair first. Okay. Yep. Like I said, I have to speak quickly. Otherwise, things happen. <laughs> well, I'm I'm hesitating because I, you know, uh, I, well, can we make comments now or what? Sure. Like, this is, uh, this is our discussion. Well, I, discussion. I, I wholeheartedly agree with this nomination. And, but I also want to, you know, highlight you, Tom, I think you are a wonderful, excellent, um, you know, not only chair, but just like a member of this board. And I hope uh, you stay on for a very, very long time. <laughs> well, I'm going to get ter <laughs> termed out here in a couple of years, but I'm, I'm here for, for that duration. Um, thank you for those nice thoughts. Uh, no, board member Sanchez has, has clearly been a leader in the board on the board and uh, provide really insightful comments. And I think he needs to step up and and lead us into the future. We can give Tom a break. Yes. <laughs> oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it's it's been it's been a real pleasure serving as chairperson. So um, I appreciate the opportunity, but I think it's time to share it with others. I, I think you've done a tremendous job. Chairman Saxby, and I, I think, I think it, I, I'm so glad to see Norman. Um, I, I would love to see Norman as the chairman of this board. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. Because both of you, like Norman and Tom, so you guys are doing a great job, and then you guys are very knowledgeable. So, great. I, yeah, you guys are. In, we're just in great hands. You guys yeah. are so knowledgeable, and and you guys bring such interesting and and thoughtful perspectives. And so, uh, I, it's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I, I'm sensing uh, that we don't have a second nomination. Um, is that right? Okay, then we can take a, a vote. Do we need to do a roll call vote? You're you're muted. I can't hear you or something. Sorry, I uh, yeah, I was muted. Um, so just like your regular votes, a motion second, and then we vote. Okay. Well, I'll make the motion since I brought it up. I'll, I'll make a motion that we uh, nominate. Uh, board member Sanchez as the chair for the historical advisory board for the upcoming year. As my everyone. <laughs> board member Witt, yeah. do you want to make it as your as your final act? With yes, the board? I okay. I motion to make member Sanchez the the chair of this committee. And then we'll have a roll call vote. Okay, so the uh, Saxby motion with a second from board member Witt. Um, correct. Board member Jones. Um, I accept, or I, I agree. I <laughs> uh, Lau. Agree. Wit. I agree. Sanchez. You better unmute yourself. We need to hear this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. And Saxby. Uh, absolutely. I agree. So that motion passes unanimously. So board member Thank Sanchez you. will serve as the um, new chair of the board for the upcoming year. Do you want to uh, take over from here? Uh, no, I'm going to let you finish out your turn, Tom. No, thank you all. I, and yeah, thank I, you, I believe, especially. Yeah. yeah, it's good to say thank you, Tom, for your leadership. You, you really, um, we appreciate your efforts and um, big shoes to fill. So I'll, I'll try to do my best to step in and make sure I don't, I don't lead us astray. Well, we'll um, all be, also, we'll Jen, be here to support you. 
There you go. Uh, Jen, we'll miss you, but I'm glad to hear that it's for, because uh, things are going well for you. So that's excellent. Thank Happy you. Very good. Um, so with that, we're going to need to nominate a, uh, a vice chair. Um, do we have any nominations? Uh, so I haven't asked, but I'd love to uh, have Lynn continue on as vice chair if she's willing. Uh, so can you can someone talk about sort of the responsibilities or kind of is this uh, is there any other engagements besides our normal have meetings or? Well, I think that you would be and you would be the chairperson anytime that Norman or board member Sanchez is not available. Mm -hmm. You step right into those shoes. Okay, yes. well, I will, um, I, I'd be uh, happy to be up for the running for vice chair then. You've actually had the experience of running a, the board at one point in time, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yes, I believe there was a meeting where yeah. you had chaired the Where meeting. I didn't make it and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, I recall that was a while. That was like that was a while back. That was a while. <laughs> so you got the experience. Anybody else uh, want to nominate another board member? To we're all shaking our heads. No. Uh, so I make well. Norman, do you want to make a motion? Sure. So I'll make a motion that we elect uh, board members in Jones as our vice chair. And I will okay, second. Go ahead, second. Thank you. Okay, uh, Board Member Jones. I'll say an aye. Sure. Loud. <laughs> yes. Board Member Witt. That yes. was an aye. Uh, Sanchez. Emphatically. Uh, yes. And Chair Saxby. Yes. Okay, so the changing of the guard happens at the next meeting. Okay. Mm -hmm. your I was just a little too anxious there to <laughs> pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, okay, great. So that that's a done deal. We've got a new board uh, chair and vice chair. Um, so the next item on the agenda is board communications. Do we have any communications from our board besides board member Witt leaving us? No. Okay. Uh, item number nine, staff communications. Um, yes, I do have one item just following up on um, board member uh, with situation. Um, so the uh, mayor, it will be making nominations for uh, actually two positions on this board because board member Witt as well as board member Lau's seats are up for reappointment. So um, I anticipate the mayor to be making nominations at the next council meeting, which is September 6th. And if those nominations are confirmed and they'll be confirmed at the meeting of September 20th. And so um, uh, the board members will be informed. So I think by that date, we will know the makeup of this HAB meeting. Um, but otherwise, I don't anticipate an HAB meeting in October. And so, um, but we will be keeping you informed if anything comes up. So that's Great. it for staff communications. Okay, thank you. Oh, I have a question. So mm -hmm. are there is the mayor currently reviewing applications already or? Yes, mayor has been interviewing candidates for a, a number of board vacancies. Oh, mm -hmm. I see. And I don't, Alvin, I don't want to put you on the spot, but are you, um, are you kind of submitting to be on the board for another term? 
Well, I submit that, but another consideration is uh, my my daughter actually want me to um, join the um, you know the school council, so mm-hmm. I probably will choose that, that too because my daughter's are fifteen now, so I want to spend more time with them too. So yeah, I actually submit that, but I I think consideration too. So I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I I, I meant to say you know just earlier. Um, you know, you would have been a great vice chair too. And I, I really also uh, appreciate your, your um, involvement on the, on the board. So I just, no, I, I don't have enough knowledge on that board, seriously. So I feel learning. <laughs> so I'm honest. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Ms. Uh, board member Lau's situation is if, if there's not another candidate um, uh, for, for this seat, um, then he will continue, but otherwise, I think uh, he he's he would choose to go um, to your daughter's school site council. Yeah. So so potentially, um, board member, this could also be board member Lau's last meeting. Is that what I'm hearing from you, Mister? Yeah, board member you do. Lau. Yeah. So I well, because my daughter is a 15 now, is an okay. uh, tangway now. So yeah, I want to spend more time with my daughter. My daughter too. So thanks. So okay. are you are you saying it's a done deal? That, sh- that you're leaving the board or no? Uh, I kind of 50-50, but I, 50/50. I yeah, so I, I did. I did well, we're uh, trying to gauge whether or not to say goodbye, but uh, <laughs> we can always contact you outside outside right. of this right. meeting to, to yeah. do that. Okay. Again, thank you for all the effort you've made as well. I would say that to the entire board, all of your volunteers and you've put in time um, into this process and and um, all of you have been here for many years. So from, from staff, um, we re- really appreciate your, your volunteerism and it's your learning service experience. to the city. Mm-hmm. Always learning. Um, okay, so we're, we are to uh, oral communications. Uh, again, this is an opportunity for members of the public to speak to the board about items that are not on the agenda. And do we have any speakers? for this item? I do not see any other public participants. Oh, sorry, Artie, I was talking over you. So we are it. This is the group. Yes. Okay. So there's no oral communications. And with that, um, I will adjourn our meeting for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for your thoughtful comments. And um, won't see you in October, probably, but hopefully before the end of the year. And good luck, Jen. Thank you. I'll see you guys around town. That's the most, that's the yeah. best thing about Alameda is that you still that's see right. people in the grocery store and the coffee shop and on the street. But I've never, run, I've never run into any of you in the last six years. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe <laughs> so that's just, not true. I've run into Jen, to, uh, to Lynn a few times. There you go. So Jen, I actually saw you at the ferry building in San Francisco <gasps> like two weeks ago. But oh I, my was goodness. Too far, I was too far away. I was going to have to yell like across <laughs> the whole thing very loud to get your attention but i'm like oh that's Jim. so anyway, there you go that's using, <laughs> using public you never transportation. know where you're going to run into someone right i know it's so true okay <laughs> well, with that right. good night everyone thank you good night yeah, everyone right, thank you take care thanks, bye. have a good night Take care. thank you Owen. Bye.